Welcome to Get on the Mend from Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. I'm your host, Melissa Whitfield. We want you to get healthy and stay healthy. So with evidence-based advice from our physicians, researchers, and healthcare providers, take charge of your health. For these next two episodes, we turn to our campus in the Permian Basin. Dr. Stephanie Moses is a licensed psychologist and associate professor in the Department of Family and Community Medicine. She joined us over Zoom all the way from West Texas. Over the past year, many of us have had to deal with uncertainty, anxiety, stress, and just wanting to get back to our familiar routines. Dr. Moses explains what causes these feelings and how we can take back some control. Dr. Moses, thank you for coming on our podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do at the Health Sciences Center? Absolutely. So I am a licensed psychologist in the Department of Family and Community Medicine in the Permian Basin, but I help serve all parts of the institution for Texas Tech Health Sciences Center. And what I have done in my 13 years of being a faculty here and have come to love West Texas is I really tried to develop a curriculum to increase collaboration between providers. So I work with primary care physicians and I try to help teach them and help teach the patient the importance of the intersection between mental and physical health. So that's what my career has been spent doing. I have different passions within that. And part of my particular passion now is reducing the stigma on mental health treatment and mental health illnesses and conditions. And you'll be doing two episodes with us this month. So this first one, we're going to look at mental health in general in the past year. And then the next one, you're going to tell us how we can deal with all these stressors and uh, when's the time to get professional help. So thank you again for coming on. You're very welcome. I mean, I'm excited. This is a a topic, obviously, that I'm extremely passionate about is really just how are we doing, you know, particularly over the last year and now with all of the different current events and stressors that we're experiencing as a society, it's just invaluable to know what to do to advocate for your own health in the elements of health that we don't always see, right? We, we know when we have a cough, but sometimes you others don't really know when we're hurting. So let's start with the obvious how do you believe the pandemic has impacted people's mental health? You know, Melissa, I think that throughout the course of the last year, really, the impact on mental health has really changed from what it initially was. I think initially we just didn't have enough information. So there was varying ideas of what was really going to happen. Our nation tends to be extremely resilient. So I think at first, you know, March, April, there was fear, a lot of fear, but I think that there was this idea that it's okay, it'll be over, it'll be over quickly. We were listening to leadership that said, oh, it will be, you know, over by by the summertime when the heat gets there. I think not really knowing what to expect started to set in in the summer. So I think that changed. I think people really started to have a lot of fear mixed with then not wanting to be still stuck inside and be in quarantine and not being able to leave the homes. We all tend to function much better when we have activities and we go about our daily lives and get outside and have sunshine and have children in sports, vacations and going back and forth to work. All of that halted 
there was a lot of fear, there was a lot of certainty, and there was a lot of mixed messages going on. I think for a lot of families, we the uncertainty led to increases in anxiety. It led to changes in how we work. Some people worked a lot more because working from home, they didn't have that cutoff, that division of now it's five o'clock. I go home and I transition into my personal life. So work would continue. Some people from working from home felt as though they needed to do even more and produce more because they were at home or they would be interrupted more often with children homeschooling. There were so many different changes this time last year. I think there was just a lot of overwhelm, but there was a lot of hope that we're going to make it through this. Do you remember when it first started, we saw so many messages of camaraderie, of we're in this together, we're going to get through this together. I think that helped a lot. Although there was fear, I think that people were able to say, yeah, we're scared, we don't know, we'll get through it. As it continued to linger on and cases started exploding and it started to hit closer to home, because I remember for a long time, we didn't even have it rampant here in our community. As the numbers start going up, because you're watching the news and you're watching the uptick in numbers, I think the fear increased, but it set in almost like a chronic uncertainty. More and more people that you were close to or that you work with started to get exposed. And then the difficulty is so many people had so many different experiences if they did contract COVID-19. And so that then, I believe, started to produce what almost feels like burnout, just what I think was coined in the media as COVID fatigue, where you just, you didn't feel bad if you didn't have the virus, but you didn't feel good. Some people then started to doubt it. So then we had this weird dichotomy in our nation of people saying they're inflating the numbers. This isn't real. It's not real. You had our president saying and minimizing some of the impact of it and don't wear masks. They're not important. And then you had those that were still very fearful because maybe they had someone that was personally impacted by COVID and they lost their lives to it. I think when you have such differing opinions nationally and people are feeling very empowered to speak their opinions and challenge our leadership and our experts, that created, I think, what we're still seeing now, this tension among believers. And you have some leadership saying mandate, some saying no, no mandate. When our leadership and our experts are not seemingly agreeing, that translated into a lot of unrest, I think, among particularly our West Texas community, but our nation on whole. If you remember, that's when we started to see an uptick in some of the social issues as well. A lot of contradictions and a lot of conflict started happening. That then led to even more significant increases in what I even see in my own clinic with depression, anxiety, burnout. Skepticism is where you just have a skewed perspective. You don't really even know what to believe anymore because you hear so many contradictions. That will raise our stress hormone, which is cortisol. That raises the cortisol level. And so then you end up with the chronic stress over long periods of time because there's just no relief. And then we start doubting the end in sight. The hope that we felt initially started to dissipate a bit. That then could start to weigh on people very heavily in their day-to-day lives. And that's what we started seeing was the COVID fatigue then started turning into burnout. And burnout is very similar to depression. Burnout is when you have low energy, you're not motivated, you don't have clarity of thought, you can't concentrate, 
you're tired, but maybe you're not really sleeping. You know, we've all had those times where we're tired, but we're not sleeping effectively. And our activity level had really become minimized. It was so low. So we weren't even able to go out and do some of these same things that we were doing. I think that made a lot of people irritable and annoyed. That impacts your mental health too. In families, you know, we've, we've heard and we've seen in the number of families that have been impacted by the quarantine, which is different than the COVID, right? The quarantine was staying home. Uh, and so the families that have become disrupted because of that or have broken up or have increased tensions, and let's not forget the financial struggles. So there have been so many external factors from over the last year that have negatively impacted mental health. What we initially saw as maybe coming together as as a nation and everything was going to be okay has now turned to something very different. Unfortunately, my opinion is we're still in the crux of that tension, right? A lot of the conflict is going on nationwide. A lot of the conflict is going on now with the vaccine. Do you get it? Do you not? Who is it being administered to? Are there real side effects? So now there's fears coming with the vaccine. So we're in a different phase. To answer the question, how has it impacted the last year's impacted? It's impacted it different, our mental health differently among the different phases and as we continue to go into this. And so at this point, I think there is some hope. Some people are getting their hope back. They're getting vaccinated. They're feeling better. They're moving around. Some jobs are coming back, particularly in our community. I saw in um, an article about the unemployment rate has dropped a little bit in West Texas over the last few months. So I think as a community, as a state, as a nation, we all need something to look forward to. Unfortunately, it's being clouded by all the conflict that's going on right now. The best way I think to restore some of the balance to our mental health and mental functioning is by turning off some of that media and turning off some of our outlets, social media, the news, and really pouring back into the things that matter, our families. So you mentioned going back to things that matter and turning off social media. How has all of this impacted us daily? I think daily it has taken a severe impact on our mood and our, in the sense of how are we feeling about ourselves? How are we feeling about other people? You know, in mood is different throughout the day, right? Different things impact our mood. Sometimes you're annoyed, sometimes you're frustrated, sometimes you're happy. And you go through all these emotions throughout the day. I think what we're seeing and some of the trends are showing is that our moods now at a baseline are just a little bit lower because people are tired and they're aggravated from this long-term COVID impact, all the social unrest. And so when your mood base starts off a little lower and something comes in and impacts it again, it dips your mood even more. Our mood or attitude is responsible for how we see our day, how we see other people, and even how we interact with these other people. Unfortunately, some people have shut down and are choosing not to interact and don't want to interact and are having a hard time transitioning going back into the office. Other people are the exact opposite. They're wanting it so bad, badly, you know, that maybe they're not making the smartest, healthiest choices for them in, in their families. So the constant stream of information, now social media and televisions and radios are such a great source of entertainment if used appropriately. But the pendulum can swing too far in the other direction, right? We can have so much of it to where 
can skew our perception and negatively impact our mood when the original intention for all of those outlets was to positively impact our mood in our lives, right? It all goes back down to balancing. I read an article in the New York Times this morning, as a matter of fact, they coined a new term, right? That's what we do. We like to make up words and, and then define them. And it's called languishing. It's what languishing is. And I think that's probably where a lot of us can identify is you're not down, you're not depressed, you're maybe not even burned out. You have energy, you can get through your day, you can complete the necessary tasks, but on a whole level, the best way to describe it and the way that it was defined was just blah, right? I think a lot of us are just blah. The things that used to really excite us and make us happy still bring a little pleasure, but we don't have that same level of intensity in the feelings. So I think this long-term pandemic, all of the social unrest, political things that we're dealing with, and the constant feed of getting the information, and it's right there all the time, 24-7, it never goes away, it's always accessible, has made us blah. (laughs) That's just the best way that I can put it. And that's scary. That's scary because if you're chronically blah, you're missing so many elements of life. You know, getting back to where we were may not be possible, but we can create the new normal. We can do what we can, uh, the factors that we can control to create the new normal and to find the range of emotions. That's what's important, right? It's not important just to be happy all the time, every day, all day. That's not even realistic. But what is important is to feel and not feel numb and not feel like one day is just bleeding into the next and they're all the same. These blahs that you talk about, could that explain why? I remember um, 9-11. Places closed down. People went home. I was driving home and the streets were completely empty. And after the verdict in the Derek Chauvin trial, pretty much things were uh, life as normal. Everything, you know, and all these pandemic deaths, we continue, or COVID deaths, we continue life and days, you know, as, as you know, like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Is that part of the blahs? Is that, or is that something else? What do you Meaning think? going on as if nothing happened? Is that yeah. part of the blah? I, I do. I think that it could be a huge component of it. Part of the, this languishing, the way that the article described it, is that, you know, we just so badly need and desire things to just kind of get back to where they were to feel normal again. So putting any extra effort into slowing down again, right? Because we just came off of a big slowdown, probably is being avoided by so many of us. So the the act of just kind of continuing to go on as normal and some people are extremely reactive to, for instance, the Chauvin trial and some people are not, but life is still happening. I think that that's part of our resilience in, in essence, but the need for us to just keep living. That is actually essential if it's done appropriately. If you're avoiding all stimuli just to keep living and just to go on as normal and you're not invested in anything that means should mean something to you, should, I kind of hate the word should, but anything that would normally mean something to you, then that's problematic. I think potentially what we could be seeing here with this blah is like, yeah, like, you know, almost a numbing, like whatever, that's just another trial. That's just another 
shooting. It's just another, I think it's a desensitization. At, you know, maybe the blah is translating into a desensitization, potentially. That's just a guess. It's not research-oriented. That's not rooted in any psychological theory. It, it's just a professional guess. It's desensitization of what's going on and or avoidance of any more stimuli. How much more can we take? With the pandemic and everyday stressors, I mean, as if that wasn't enough, how can we cope with the political issues, the social injustices, mass shootings? I mean, what kind of impact does that have on our mental health? Absolutely significantly. You know, each one of those things, the reason why they impact us is each one of those that you mentioned are tied to morals, our values, our principles, our opinions. Those things are extremely personal for us, right? Even if we have a differing opinion, if you and I have completely opposing opinions on gun control as the response to mass shootings, it's still going to have an emotional impact on us. And if we have a conflict, it increases that emotion, doesn't it? It intensifies that emotion. So, so my point is, people are very emotionally tied to politics. For a lot of people, their values are held in their political views. And with the social unrest and racial tensions, you know, you don't just have the Black Lives Matter movement and the police shootings, but now you have these recent attacks on the Asian population that is seeming as if they're hate crimes too. All of those things elicit intense emotion along with a fear of lack of control. And then there's an element of being unpredictable. You can't predict someone else's behavior. So the way that that impacts us is it shoots up anxiety. Now, anxiety is a normal part of all of us. Our bodies are built, whether you believe in evolution or God or some other form, where our bodies are built with anxiety, which is why we get nervous, right? Which is why if you have to speak publicly, your heart starts racing. That's normal. When it tends to become problematic, when it's disrupting your daily life is when it becomes clinical or abnormal, right? If it's a consistent disruption of your daily life, that's when it's clinical. That's when it's abnormal. What these things are doing, because it's just like one thing after another, right? We had the election. Then we had the attack on the Capitol. Then we had the Chauvin case. We had more deaths of Black men by police officers. We had, I think, Breonna Taylor was in there as well, too. Maybe the trial for that. And then the attack on the Asian ladies, and then just the shootings one after another. We had a, a shooting here in our community almost two years ago. What that does when it's one thing after another is it then makes that what we have that normal anxiety become a little more chronic, become a little more disruptive to us. Anxiety manifests differently in people. We all deal with our anxieties differently. So where I may shut down and withdraw and stay home and not leave, you may become extremely irritable or maybe you can't sleep. Some people become angry when they're anxious, feeling out of control, feeling like they don't know what to predict. It makes them angry. So maybe they need to reestablish their, their power by acting out, right? This is in their mind. I'm not, I'm not saying that's justified. By acting out and having violent attacks with the mentality of I get them, then that that's protective of me. Get them before they get you. So it, my point is, is it manifests so differently for all of us. Where it becomes scary is if it's disrupting to our daily lives. That's where a lot of us are, me included. I become anxious. I was very anxious yesterday with the verdict of the Chauvin trial. And I have to be very honest, 
I wasn't following the trial. I didn't have it on. I didn't watch it. I would read headlines and move on because I'm trying to balance the amount of information, the intake that I'm getting. But I think I happened to scroll on Facebook and saw the verdict is in. It's going to be read at 4.30 central time or something. I noticed my anxiety shoot immediately up. I just felt a little off. I wasn't concentrating. One of my, my kids was talking to me. I don't even know what she was saying because I, was, <laughs> I wasn't listening. I was fearful of what I couldn't control, not the verdict, but people's reactions to the verdict. That's what I was scared of. Really, either way, I was scared of if the verdict went one way, what would that mean for us as a nation? If it went another way, what would that mean for the majority of people who believed with that particular verdict? So the idea that we don't have control over a lot of aspects right now is unsettling. So what did I do? I went to my natural mode of dealing with my anxiety and I went into avoidance. I didn't even watch that part. I turned it on and I was like, nope. So before they read it, I turned it off and said, I'll read the headline later. And that's what I did. I've avoided conversations, honestly, because it triggers some of that. The reason why? Lack of control, lack of power, and maybe even feelings of helplessness. All of those things will manifest in this disruption of our daily functioning. Concentration issues, motivation issues, finishing tasks. You could be more forgetful. You're not sleeping right or sleeping too much. You're not eating enough. You're eating too much. All of those things, whenever you function differently, that signals something's going on. Where it's normal to have a couple of days of stress and be thrown off. What's not normal is to have it be chronic. Five, six, seven days, 30 days even is too much. So we have to do what we can to balance some of that. With this stuff in the media, we have to balance our intake or else it's going to continue to infiltrate us and it will skew perceptions. It'll skew relationships. You might start to question people that were great friends or spouses if they have a differing opinion. You know, Melissa, I think a big part of what we're struggling with is tolerating different opinions. That's really hard or different values or different perspectives. That's really hard for people to do. But I think if we approach situations with compassion, all of these things that have happened, even the people that rushed the Capitol, not just the people that were in the Capitol needed to be protected, but those that were doing it, what was going on for them? What were they feeling to feel the need to do something that drastic? They had to have been filled with insecurities and fears and all of that too. And that may not be a popular opinion, but approaching these situations of conflict with compassion for the other person and a general respect of them just being a human lie and understanding they are entitled to their opinion, even if I think it's absolutely wrong, immoral, and just that's their opinion, they're entitled to that. I think if we go back to the idea that the next person deserves just as much respect as I do, no matter what they believe, I think some of that that we felt at the beginning of the pandemic of we're in this together could come back. Well, thank you so much for that. Uh, We'll touch up on the other issues in our next episode. Okay, great. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to part two. Me too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Get On The Mend. And don't forget to download the next episode, our part two with Dr. Stephanie Moses. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. 
Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Get on the Mend is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center.